Hey, we're in the midst of a, a series uh, called Line by Line, and what we're doing is looking at the Echo Prayer and going through it line by line or word by word and kind of getting stuck and chewing on certain elements of it because I believe that this isn't just a normal prayer, but it is a prayer that tells us a lot about who God is. And at the same time, that prayer tells us about who we are, and it also teaches us a way of living. And I prayed a prayer like that uh, and like this growing up over and over uh, throughout my life, and, and, and I honestly believe I'm standing where I am today because I kept praying it. You know, like, how many of you relate, like, like, like you, you fall, you fail, you make mistakes, and then you repent, and you're like, Jesus, have my life again. Anybody ever done that more than twice in the room, okay? <laughs> okay, only a couple people are honest. The rest of you, raise your hand right now and <laughs> start over, man, start over. Uh, but we're gonna, we're gonna dial into this idea of I surrender, but before you do that, uh, let me tell you a little story. This a couple weeks ago, Christy and I had the opportunity um, to coach and assess uh, a few new church planners with the Association of Related Churches. And as we were sitting there, um, and I was sitting with one uh, beautiful couple, um, I was sitting there and I just started like comparing myself a little bit because who was across the table was, well, let me, can I just tell you, I've got a short person's complex. I'm short. Did anybody notice that? <laughs> a few of you? <laughs> Uh, you know, anyway, it's just not fair, you know, I'm saying not fair, and no, I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm talking to uh, the, the potential church planner, and, and this guy's tall, and he's tan, his shoulders are much broader than mine, he would fit in the sweatshirt way better than I do, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and I'm just like, I'm sitting over there, and, and, and I'm just kind of like, beginning to just compare myself and who he is and who I'm not and just kind of maybe get a little bit insecure of me being the one that's assessing maybe he should be assessing me and 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 I start thinking like man I feel like you, you guys remember the old movie that and I can't remember what the movie is called but it was with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito that's who I start feeling like you know and I was not Arnold Schwarzenegger for those that don't know that and the Echo High Google that later and you'll see uh, what my point is there but uh, what show was that by the way what one? Twins. twins. Yeah, twins, just like me and him. <laughs> um, but my point is this, is in comparison, I think actually there's some healthy comparison to be had. And last week I talked about Jesus and who he was and, and what a significant Sunday just to emphasize and just get stuck and chew on this idea of who Jesus is and his character. And, and I felt like halfway through the message, and I wasn't expecting it, but it did happen. I felt like the Holy Spirit came in and just started really like bringing to life who Jesus wants to be in our life. And, and, and let me just kind of uh, go ahead and uh, re read kind of talk about some of those just to, so we're all on the same page because I believe that God wants us to compare ourselves to Jesus today. See, Jesus claims in his teachings that he is the bread which we related to as Jesus as our provider. Jesus claimed to be the light which means we've need, we need to look at God, Jesus as a new perspective, the perspective in our life. Jesus claimed that he was the gate, which gives us this idea that God is in the business of bringing protection. We talked about how God is a good shepherd, which leads us to believe that God is personal, and, and, and yes, emphasizing on this idea that God is good. Jesus declares that he is the resurrection and the life, which presents the idea that he can be powerful in our life, that he is powerful. 
Jesus declares that he is the way, the truth, and the life, which gives us this idea that he is our guide and he is our pathway. And lastly, he declares that he is the vine, which gives us this vivid image of how Jesus is planted and that he is here today, tomorrow, and forever. Now, what I want to do is just kind of throw out this idea that like in comparison to who Jesus is, <laughs> quite possibly we aren't really quite where he's at. You know what I'm saying? We're not the person who he is. And, and, and quite frankly, that is okay. okay. And, and I want to give my big idea just in the, in, in, in the front here. So if you want, you can take a photo of this. If you're taking notes, write this down. But here's my big idea. If I boldly declare that Jesus is the I am, then I must humbly acknowledge that I am not. If we pray this prayer that, that, uh, and we lean into it and we really mean what we say when we say the name of Jesus and we believe that Jesus, uh, we believe that he's truthful and what he says is true, then, then in comparison, we just gotta come to this place realizing that if we're gonna navigate through life, we can no longer navigate it the way that we used to, but the way that it was always meant to be. And that was with Jesus. See, if Jesus is who he says he is, then we're probably not who we think we are. And I think this is where believing in Jesus crosses over to following Jesus. And, and illustratively wise, wise, and I like the idea, and, I, and I've, I've shared this before, but I think we all carry this backpack and, and through life, like, like we've got a bunch of these rocks for no really good reason in the back of our, you know, in our backpack, but they, for some reason, bring a little comfort. They bring a little direction. They bring a little weight to what we're doing in life. But what Jesus wants to do is he wants to come into your life and he wants to be, he really wants to start emptying out your backpack, because I think a lot of us, when we walk into a relationship with Jesus, or before we do pre-Jesus, right? Like, like we look in the mirror and begin to believe, we, we believe that we are our own providers. That we're gonna work hard, we're gonna make extra effort, we're gonna do whatever it takes to, to, to survive. But when we meet Jesus, Jesus reminds us that he is the provider. And if Jesus is our provider, then it is a rock that should be taken out of our backpack and submitted and surrendered to God's power in our life. And so I've got a few declarations that if Jesus is, then this is what my response will be. And what I wanna do today is just go through seven of those. And I'm not gonna go through all seven in depth. In fact, I'm, what I'm excited about is, is this series is really the beginning of what we're gonna call the EDU pathway down the road here as we begin to create this concept. And so like I just know in 30 minutes I can't talk about these seven things in depth, but EDU will be created, which is, is, is Echo Discipleship University is created to draw us deeper to Jesus. And, and although I, I believe in the power of gathering on Sunday mornings, I think the effective discipleship um, context is actually not in a big room like this, but it is around a table with a few people. And so I'm excited that I can't complete and, and really talk about all these concepts um, but only just a few today and understanding that God is going to touch every single one of us in a different way because y'all know that we carry different rocks. How, how many of you know that we, we, we hold on to certain things 
um, that we don't need to hold on to, but we do it because that's just our nature, our, our disposition, whatever it might be. And so I, th- I think God, the Holy Spirit really wants to do something in our life today in revealing maybe areas of surrender. So if Jesus is I am, okay, if Jesus is my provider, this is the first one, then I willingly acknowledge that I am unable to provide for myself. If I believe that Jesus is my provider, then I have to acknowledge humbly that I cannot provide for myself. But the issue is this, is we live in a culture that, 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 that has this declaration and this prideful stance to, to declare, I am self-made. But when it comes to Jesus, he comes here and he wants to, to gently whisper to you today, no, you are not. In fact, what he wants to remind us today is that we are not self-made. I am, uh, what I have is not just up to me. In fact, the truth is I can work, I can toil, I can earn, but it is God, God is the one who gives and he takes away. Matthew 6, 26 says this, it says, Jesus, Jesus teaching his disciples, this is Jesus teaching us today. It says, look at the birds of the air, They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than them? There's a reference in in, in Luke chapter 12, verse six and seven about the lilies and the same kind of concept that God clothes, uh, clothed the lily. And, and I, I just uh, just vividly have this image that we need to remind ourselves on a daily basis that we are much like the lilies and the sparrows. That, that what we have is, 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 is not because of what we have gained, but because of the things that have been given to us because Jesus is our provider. Can I hear an amen out there? Are you with me? So the attitude adjustment that I think we need to kind of challenge within the culture that we live is this, is we need to challenge the idea that I deserve it. If, if that's really what you believe, then, then you're trusting in a system versus trusting in a savior, Jesus Christ. And so I was just thinking, like, you know, if Jesus is my provider, I was just thinking, like, when I went off to college, I was deathly afraid of going in debt. Anybody else out there? Like, how many, let's just admit it. Well, how many of us are in debt? You know, because it's cool. Thank you, Jesus. You know what I'm saying? You know, and, um, or eating a lot of sushi over the weekend. So, um, get Dexter, I see that hand. But I, um, I remember going off to college and, and I remember I went to a Bible training center. My dad helped me, uh, my dad and mom helped me the first few years and that was actually very affordable and I was taking care of my housing. And, uh, but then I was gonna go to a university, you know, that was a little bit more expensive and, and I was deathly afraid of the cost then, which by the way, don't even compare to what they are now and you know that. Uh, but I was having like an honest, struggle of going like is it would it be worth it should I go and but I kept on feeling compelled like God was calling me to to go to this university and go to this college and become a pastor you know and and, and so so I just remember talking to one of my friends that had gone to college and, and he, he looked at me and said Andy if if you really feel like God has called you to do that like God will provide for you 
And the cool part of the story, and some of you have heard this, but for those that haven't heard, let me tell you, I went to college and God just made a way where there honestly didn't seem to be a way. He provided for me, he provided opportunities for me to, to do work where like it came out of the blue. I worked at UPS. Come on, somebody, anybody, anybody. I know I got a couple UPSers in here and, and they helped pay for my, 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 um, my tuition and all that stuff. And at the end of my four and a half years of college, because some of us are just slower than others, I graduated debt-free. Which was really cool because guess what? There, one, there didn't seem to be a way before. But that's when I begin to learn that I am not my own provider. I cannot create the way, but that Jesus will do that if you put your hope and trust in him. And, and I just sense that there's some of us in here, like, like, like you know, we're gonna talk about seven of them, but if we were gonna like pinpoint one of us, there's some of us that like, like, like we do declare Jesus as the I am, but we struggle with the providing aspect of who Jesus is. And in a very practical way, I want to challenge you, if, 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 if you feel like, like giving may be an issue, then just give today. <laughs> That's my awkward laugh. Just give today. And, but if you sit back and you don't or you won't, then I ask you to go home and ask yourself why. Like, you don't need to text me, you don't need to email me and tell me why. And you don't need to prove anything to me or this church, but what I'm telling you this, if you cannot give or you will not give in the name of Jesus and to the cause of Jesus financially, then I would suggest maybe quite possibly you've put a rock back into your backpack. Is Jesus your provider? See, I'd rather give and be wrong and have nothing then keep and be wrong and have everything. Because I want to surrender to God in every area of my life. Now, for those that might be feeling a little bit bad about yourself in this moment, like, thank God for his grace. Come on, somebody. Thank God for his patience. Come on, somebody. Do you know what I'm saying? There is a a better way, and I'm just trying to present it, and I'm so thankful that God has been patient with me in these areas. Now, now what I want to do is I want to go through the other six, and then I want to jump back to one and really uh, double down on it, but these are our declarations that if we believe Jesus, then this is how we'll live. Uh, the second one is this. If I believe Jesus is the illuminated perspective, then, I'm w- then I willingly acknowledge that I am in the dark and I need his light in my life. That if I declare Jesus as the light, then I need God, I need Jesus to teach me and lead me and guide me in the path that he wants me to go. Which, by the way, students out there, I see you taking notes, which just encourages me, but I'm about to disappoint you because I'm gonna go really fast and you're not gonna write it down, so take pictures, okay? And text each other uh, if you need to. Thirdly, if I believe that Jesus is my protector, then I need not defend myself. Someone say amen or oh me out there. I need only to stay within his protection. If I believe that Jesus is my protector, then I do not need to defend myself. I only need to stay within his protection. And and, and let me say it like this, his parameters. Number four, and this is what we're gonna resonate on here in just a moment. If I believe Jesus is the true definition of good, then I must confess that I am not good In fact, I am corrupted by sin 
in need of God, and I am in need of God's goodness to shape me. Again, we're going to return back. If I believe Jesus is powerful, then I realize that I am ultimately powerless to achieve lasting accomplishment in my own life. If I believe Jesus is powerful, then I realize I am ultimately powerless to achieve anything that is lasting. Number six, if I believe that Jesus is the one true pathway, I must remind myself that my way is gonna hit somebody, my intuition, and my drive may lead me in the wrong direction. How many of you are like me? You know, like, like, like you really believed in the way you were feeling and the direction that you thought you were going and then all of a sudden you were like, whoop, that wasn't it. And like I've had this conversation with God, like God, couldn't you have just told me a little earlier? Save some problems. How about number seven? If I believe that Jesus is the true vine, planted and secure, I cling to him because I am unstable, I'm insecure, and I am seeking life. Again, we'll have the opportunity. I want to kind of, it's kind of a commercial of sorts. It's not yet created, but I'm so excited for the discipleship pathway of, of diving deep into some of these things. And actually, you know, some of you, you're struggling with even some of the things that I'm, I'm saying. And, and you know what? Bravo. Because if you aren't struggling, I'm not sure if you're really buying into it. You're not really chewing on it. And again, this isn't meant to be easy, but I do believe that God wants to direct us and guide us. But number four is this, if I believe Jesus is the true definition of good, then I must confess that I am not good. In fact, I am corrupted by sin, and I am in need of God's goodness to shape me. And here's the lie, the lie of the culture. This is what we begin to believe without even thinking, okay? This is just the natural flow of water, okay? Uh, and, And this is the traction that just undertows us. It's this, is that I'm good enough. I mean, honestly, a lot of us, if you were asked randomly on the street if you were good, most likely you would say yes. And you would tell us that you're good because, man, I go to church. I I tip at restaurants. I stop at yellow lights instead of speeding up. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I return my shopping carts to the Corral. I never take the last, last bite or last slice of the pizza. Some of you are feeling real good about yourself because you're that personality that releases the spiders out of your home and put them in the wild. <laughs> some, of, some of you are like, man, I'm really a good person. Why? Because uh, and I, uh, I responsibly recycle, cleaning out all the cans to make sure they're compliant in the recycling process. And others of you are like, man, I am a good person. I know I'm a good person because I've been listening to you, Andy, who you seem to be long-winded and a little bit over-detailed with some of your stories from time to time. That is the lie that we begin to believe because we, we start looking at some of these small little things, but what I want to tell you is this, is we are not fundamentally good. We are funda- fundamentally bad because of sin. We are corrupted. The bad news is this, is we are not good. You've crashed the plane. You've hit the wall. We have failed. You have sinned, and nothing you can do can earn you onto the starting team. You can't try hard enough, and you can't hope enough. But the good news is, is God 
God's grace is sufficient for me. Can I hear an amen? You know what I'm saying? The bad news is this, is, is, is we kind of stink. The good news is this, is God is good, and he's so good that he sent his son who is good, who loves us so much so that we don't need to do the work alone. So here's the deal when it comes to surrender. God cannot save someone who doesn't want to be saved. That God cannot save someone who does not surrender. And we won't surrender if we don't think we need saving. So what I want to do in, in, in a bold declaration is just remind us that we aren't good and we are incapable of good. Therefore, we need to lean into the good God to do his good work so that he continues to grow and develop the goodness that he desires in our life. Can I hear him? Amen. Can I hear amen? If you don't mind, open up your book to, uh, your, your, your Bible's up to Romans and what I want to do uniquely just for today is I kind of want to run through what we call the Romans road. You know, if, if you've been in the evangelical church or non-denominational uh, or charismatic and potentially even uh, other, other denominations, uh, you've heard of the, the, the concept of the Romans road. But I want to lean onto these texts to, 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 to truly just define our need for salvation and, and, and the pathway to be saved and, and to accept the rescue that Jesus offers. And in Romans 3.23, it says this, for all have sinned, for all have sinned and fallen short the glory of God. That in essence presents this idea that we've all fail, failed. We've all crashed the plane, like I said. We've all hit the wall that we are all not able to accomplish and to enter into a relationship with God. But Romans 6.23a says the wages of sin is death. So that failure ultimately according to the Bible reminds us that our sin will only lead to death. But how many know that, in, uh, that, that for every uh, uh, tw verse 23a, there's got to be a B, and I'm so thankful that there is because God reminds us that his gift is eternal life through Christ Jesus, that although our sin is true, God has paved a way for eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. Romans 10.9 says this, this is, this is our response. If we confess our mouths, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And Romans 5, 1 reminds us, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, since we have been saved, since God has surrendered us, since he's rescued us from our own depravity through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, that we are capable and we are able to have a relationship with God. Does that excite anybody today? Because I know I brought a lot of bad news today. But there is good news, and the good news is this, is that God loves us and he cares for us. But the bad news is this, is so often we lean on our own confidence. And what I want to tell you today and remind you today is this, is that our confidence is ultimately killing us in our faith. That there is a delicate balance of finding confidence in Christ and finding 
no confidence in who we are, fundamentally speaking. That we are unable, but we know a God that is able. I was listening to a book recently on Audible called Do Hard Things, and that author uh, tells of a story of a guy named Nolan who was a college student who found himself challenged to back up a bold claim that he had tweeted, and that tweeted had said something like, oh, I could run a 4-4 on a 40-yard dash. And ESPN heard about this and invited him on the show in which they tested to see if Nolan could run a 4-4, but ultimately found out that he couldn't. He could only run a 5-5, which was the equivalent of the slowest lineman in the NFL. And I only bring that up because, because I think confidence tells us that we can do this, but often our confidence fakes us out. And, and I think today is one of those days where, where there's so much that's been said, but there's so much more work to be done. And again, I sense that, you know, maybe for some of you, man, you have bought hook, line, and sinker, and you've experienced firsthand that Jesus is your provider. And another element Some of you are like, yeah, I completely understand that I am not good. That I am not able, I'm not fundamentally good. In fact, I know my own motives, I know my own thoughts, I I know all the bad that I can accomplish. And and, and so there are people that that don't really resonate with that, yet there are people that do, and yet there are five more I am statements of Jesus that says, if you declare if 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 you say i am then you are not and today is one of those days where i believe that god wants to go ahead and continue the work that is being done within you and whatever specific way that the holy spirit is working in you and wanting to refine you and restore you and and and, and let me just tell you this some of you are like man what is a surrender a surrender isn't just this acknowledgement of just thought a surrender is a submission to a savior a king and a shepherd and his name is jesus can i hear an amen surrender also in 40 years i've learned this surrender is a moving target see what god wants to work in you today he'll probably want to work in something with you tomorrow. So depending on the season, right? Depending on the trial, depending on your life in a giving, a giving in any given point, he'll work on different things and that is what God wants to do. Surrender is an invitation and that invitation is an invitation to an, an encounter. And the imagery is this, is God's hand is straight out and he's reaching out to you. The question is this, are you willing to encounter the God of the universe who is fundamentally good and wants to love you more than anybody could ever love you? And anybody could ever show you? And so if someone's out there, you'd ask me, how would I surrender? Well, James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he'll draw near, near to you. God's hand is out, reached to you, and all you need to say is, God, here I am. Draw near to him. What I would say is this, is we're called to return. It's our decision to turn around and, and, and lean and get in proximity and receive the rescue that God offers. The second thing is repentance. It's this acknowledgement of saying, man, I've fallen short. 
It's to admit failure, to receive forgiveness, to acknowledge sin and, and, and allow God to turn you 180 degrees around from your way to his way. And then our next very concept of surrender is to follow Jesus anyway. So God, today, I, I just sense there's some of us we come into this space and we feel far from you. In fact, God, we just would acknowledge that there are some rocks in our backpack. God, we have navigated in our ways, but today you have revealed that there is a better way and that you're calling us to live it by name. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place. We ask that you would just continue to do your work, that you would speak to us and where we're at today, the season that we find ourselves in. And I pray that we would be a church, we would be individuals that live a lifestyle of surrender, a lifestyle of refinement, a lifestyle of submission to your Holy Spirit and his voice and the work that is to be done in our life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Echo Church, stand up. We're going to pray the prayer that we just talked about for the last 30 minutes. And if we declare Jesus and who he is, and we surrender who we are not. Echo, let's pray this together. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. Amen.